this is Tony. Today we're going to talk about Ferg Patterson, Living and Dying by the Gun. Ferdinand Ferg J. Patterson was a dandy gambler, gunfighter, and outright killer who made the rounds of California, Idaho, and Oregon before being shot down in Washington. Patterson was born in Texas in the year of 1821. And little is known of his early life, but he was said to have shown early signs of rebellion and had an extremely bad temper. In the late 1850s, he arrived in California at the tail end of the gold rush. He was a big man, stood over six foot, weighed more than 200 pounds, had red hair and a pair of restless blue eyes. He presented himself as a dandy wearing cashmere shirts silk vest and long black frock coat trimmed with fur. His outfit also consisted of an ivory handled Colt 31 caliber revolver and matching bowie knife. In 1859 he made his way to the mining camp of Waldo, Oregon, where his appearance made it clear he wasn't there to use a pick and shovel in the nearby mines. Instead he quickly began to make the rounds of the gaming tables in the saloons. Local miners were no match for the prolific gambler and lost much of their hard-earned money to the visiting stranger. On one occasion, Patterson was said to have gotten into the argument with two local miners over a card game and promptly gunned them both down. He also got on the bad side of George Wales, the local lawman and a former Texas Ranger. On one afternoon, he sat in front of a saloon and while two men got into an argument which was soon led to gunplay, Wells shot Patterson in the side, but as Patterson went down, he continued shooting, hitting Wells in the arm. Both men recovered from their wounds, although Wells ended up with a permanently disabled arm. Afterward, Patterson was run out of town. Patterson then continued his gambling and gunfighting ways in Oregon and California especially in San Francisco's senior attractions. But no one got the better of him. He next made headlines in 1861 while on a steamer called Panama, which was cruising from San Francisco, California to Portland, Oregon. The passenger list included a party of so-called sporting men and women, of which Patterson appeared to be the recognized leader. Once the vessel had cleared the harbor and was out to sea, Patterson and his cohorts took possession of the saloon and card room where they began to ply their trade, introducing three-card Monty and other gambling games. He was traveling with a woman who was about 28 years old, who was also a proficient at cards. As the ship was anchored at Astoria, Oregon, the group partied hard late into the night. After Captain G.W. Staples received a visit from a committee of passengers who demanded that the boisterous conduct and profane language be stopped, he went to the card room where he courteously requested that the sporting fraternity retire. When Patterson replied in an insulting manner, the captain threatened to put him in irons. The party then dispersed with Patterson saying that he would see the captain after that ship landed in Portland. Once in Portland, the still-simmering Patterson 
tracked Staples to the lobby of the Pioneer Hotel and shot him dead. The murderer surrounded to a policeman, or surrendered to a policeman, rather, who entered the hotel after hearing the shots fired. Patterson was arrested and tried for murder, but was found not guilty by a local jury. Go figure. Commenting later on the encounter with the captain, Patterson said, Guns were drawn, shots exchanged, dead I'm not, and the court found the killing justified. However, Patterson's run-ins with the law in Portland were far from over. Next, after accusing his girlfriend of making eyes at other men, Patterson, using his sharp bowie knife, cut off a large lock of her hair and ended up with a piece of her scalp as well. A policeman hearing the woman scream entered the room and placed the offender under arrest. Again, Patterson was in the hands of the Portland authorities. He went to trial and again was acquitted. Patterson would afterward recall, when a woman's fine, she's mine. She better not blink her eyelashes at anything else than pants. This one, never mind her name, did a bit of blinking. Heard Patterson was next heard from when he arrived in Idaho City, Idaho. A booming mining camp in the mountains outside Boise in 1863. Upon his arrival, Patterson was pleased to find a large population of Southerners who would support his fervent hatred of them. Damn Yankees were here. He would come into a conflict conflict several times with Boise County Sheriff Sumner Pickham. On one occasion, while he was partying with some of his friends, they took unlawful possession of a brewery. The owner called upon the sheriff's Pinkham to do something about it. When Pinkham entered the brewery, he was met with violent resistance. Pinkham and Patterson saw in each other everything they, they loathed. Patterson was a southerner who was crooked by nature, and Pinkham was a northerner who tended to be self-righteous. In the end, Pinkham was success- successful, and Patterson was arrested. The following year, Pinkham was running for re-election as Boise County Sheriff in October of 1864. In a bitter contrast, contest between the Democratic secessionists and Republican candidate Pinkham, an outspoken Union supporter, was defeated by A.O. Bowen. At the last of the ballots were counted, Ford Patterson, or Ferd Patterson, was celebrating when he encountered his old nemesis, Sumner Pinkham, who was in a rage. Wasting no time, the lawman took a swing at Patterson, hitting him in the jaw, throwing the gambler off the street and into the gutter. Then Pinkham walked away. Logan expected something, something uh, as a retaliation from Patterson, but it did not occur. After losing the election, Sumner left Idaho City and vi- to visit his dying mother in Illinois. When he re- returned in uh, the summer of uh, 1865, the locals immediately began to speculate that Ferd Patterson and Sumner Pinkham were going to have it out. After the Civil War's end, Sumner Pinkham staged a gala 4th of July party. The crowds were mostly in a festive mood with fireworks blazing and booze flowing. The celebration included a brass band, speeches, patriotic songs, a picnic, and a parade with Pinkham leading the way through town. For the victorious Yankees, it was a proud day. 
for the Southern Confederate sympathizers, it was not so much as they heckled the blue bellies throughout the day. With Patterson seeing Pinkham leading the parade with a further stab at his Southern loyalties. Pinkham was singing, Oh, we'll hang Jeff Davis to a sour apple tree. When he heard Patterson yelled out to the ex-sheriff that if he didn't shut his mouth, he'd shut it for him. Pinkham invited him to try it, and he did. A brief scuffle between the two men resulted in the flag falling into the dust of the street. Some witnesses swore that saw, they saw Ferd Patterson spit on it, and others uh, attested that they heard Pinkham swear he would kill Patterson for that. Several weeks later, on Sunday, July 23rd, Sumner Pinkham took a hired carriage from Idaho City to the Warm Springs Resort about two miles west of town. Upon his arrival, Pinkham joined a number of Unionist fr- uh, friends in the saloon where they were heard singing patriotic and anti-Confederate songs. Sometime later, Ferd Patterson entered the resort while Pinkham was paying his bill. Initially, Patterson ignored Pinkham. By the time the ex-sheriff resisted or exited the resort, Ferd was outside waiting for him. Here, the witnesses reported that they heard Patterson say to the to the word or use the word "draw" and then taunted Pinkham by calling him an ab- abolitionist son of a gun. Who drew first was in dispute, but in the end, Pinkham was dead. Patterson quickly fled, but it was immediately followed by several lawmen. First to catch up with the killer was famed lawman Orlando Rube Robbins, who found Patterson on the road to Boise, 14 miles from Idaho City. Patterson immediately surrounded or surrendered to Robbins, who turned the killer over to Sheriff Bowen, who was next on the scene. Bowen and his men took over and escorted Patterson back to Idaho City. When the lawman and the prisoner arrived, they were met with a mob who was bent on lynching the killer. The lawman outwitted them and got the prisoner safely into the jail. At that time, the town jail, the first in the Idaho region, was on a one acre of ground surrounded by a stockade. The mob swarmed outside the stockade, continuing to threaten Patterson. But the lawman defended the stronghold with a cannon thrust through portholes in the protecting fence. Bert Patterson was tried for Pinkman's murder at the beginning of November of 1865. In the six-day trial, Defense Attorney Frank Canal claimed his client acted in self-defense, arguing that Pinkham was laying in wait for him. Alternatively, Pinkham's friend testified that he tried to avoid a showdown and that Patterson came to Warm Springs with the explicit purpose of murdering Pinkham. It took only an hour and a half for the jury to acquit Patterson. On November 16th, the Oregon newspaper reported, Ruffian has gone through the farce of a trial by a jury of fellow Democrats at the Idaho City and, of course, has been acquitted. Makes the third time for him. By those who now know the character of the Patterson, of Patterson and his associates in Idaho, no other verdict was anticipated. The Idaho statesman wrote, Bert Patterson has been acquitted as expected. Idaho juries do not inquire whether a crime has been committed. All the ask is, is a fair fight? If so, they cry, not guilty. Knowing that he was in extreme danger, Patterson quickly fled to Idaho City, from Idaho City, after his acquittal. 
next landed in Walla Walla, Washington, where he once again applied his gambling skills. On the night of February 18th, of 18th 1866, he ran into Hugh Donahue, the lawman who arrested uh, him for scalping his girlfriend in Portland, Oregon. The two had harsh words, but soon parted ways without gunplay. However, when Patterson was sitting in Richard Bogle's barbershop for a shave and a haircut, the next morning, Donahue entered with a back to the back door and fired up on Patterson, hitting him on the right side of his jaw. As Patterson stumbled toward the door to escape, Donahue continued to fire, killing the dandy gunfighter. Donahue was arrested and charged with murder. The jury was split at this trial, and a new one was ordered. One night, while awaiting his second trial, he found the cell door mysteriously unlocked. Unguarded, he walked out of the building, and he was never heard from again. Well, this is the story of that man who was acquitted three three times by the story of Ferd Patterson, we assume.